The District Auxiliary Services, may I direct your attention to 9.2 and the gentleman at the podium. Thank you. Um, this is a um, collaborative effort. I'm going to ask Carolee to join in on this. As you know, her split assignment after this evening um, will be between Special Assistant to the President and the Managing Director of the Foundations. So part of that role is the District Auxiliary Services, the NVCF, which is the external foundation, um, and the auxiliary for the, the uh, wine and viticulture. Um, the, the, the win with that is several pieces, as you've seen. It, it allows us to leverage on activities that are going on in, in the college, um, save um, a lot of money in OIA and the restructure, and um, for this year at least, for this budget, and um, also provide some strength in the foundations for um, operational expertise, which is what Carolee brings to it. So um, she was. our question is, until we really get a full version of board docs, which really helps collect this information and, and um, type it, um, she couldn't do both, present this and, and enter and uh, record it. So we're going to kind of double team it a little bit. So some of the questions came up about DAS. Um, it's it's a uh, a continuing question and, and needs to be you know talked about a lot. So you know so people at this college you know can further understand it. So tonight's just another shot. It's one of several that we have done in the past. We made about four or five presentations so far. Um, it, it's it's still um, an iterative process, as you know, because we just have a new new director. But I'm going to go through a couple different pieces here. So trying to make it easy, why do it? Why have a district auxiliary services? Um, it is really about providing the campus, as it's written here, with a broad scope of functions and services aimed at exchange, enhancing the overall education. Um, what that really means is that uh, auxiliaries are really set up to do the things that are not core to the strength of a college. So the college personnel are generally not hired to run bookstores, you know, do vending machines, you know, do land development, run um, contracts for um, caretakers, those kinds of things. And they either outsource them all, which a few do, but most colleges have an auxiliary services foundation that does them inside their existing um, structure. So that's, that's why I do it. You could, you could, the alternative would be to spread these tasks out across what I consider to be an already stretched thin administrative cadre. So when you get done doing your um, job in the, in the business office, um, can you run up to Mount Feeder and check on a caretaker <laughs> and make sure that that's all okay? It just, it is, it, it's not really viable. Um, here as well, in, in David's conversation earlier, points to, the, I think, the incredible growth potential of the college. Um, we're in this, if, it, if it didn't get much else, we are in the center of South Napa. So we're really ground zero of the growth in Napa, and the college has a lot of, over the next 20 years, opportunities um, to improve. So that's, that's why. DAS Physical and Operational Management, um, Integrity, Honesty, Professionalism, Highly Transparent, one of the other reasons to do this is using trust accounts for many of the small programs is not transparent. You do a car wash, it's transferred over, it gets buried, you spend it. There's no, it's very difficult for trustees, very difficult for the, for the institution itself, 
to look and follow dollars in auxiliary and services. You can follow every single dollar that's ever earned in revenue from every single source. So that's, that's part of it. Um, how it works? It's a, um, it's a foundation. It's a 501c3. Inside, it belongs to you. So this is not an externally driven or controlled foundation. It's an auxiliary of the Napa Valley College structure. And that's important to recognize. Um, it's a nonprofit. It can only benefit Napa Valley College. It can only do some of the things that the Chancellor's Office has outlined for it to do. And that's a very specific list of things. One of those is running our bonded winery. Another one is bookstores. Another one is PR, educational services, food services, those kinds of things. Um, the Chancellor's Office has designed those pieces um, very specifically, and we're following those to a T. Um, the other piece of how it works, it's comprised of a college staff, right, and a representative from Napa Valley College Foundation. That's the external. So that, that's the foundation board. I am a member of that foundation board by, by title. So the, your president is named, and superintendent president is named, so that in perpetuity. Also, there's vice presidents in that. There's a director of institutional advancement or designee. Um, there's the controller or vice president of administrative services or designee. Um, and we are, um, um, you know, operating through, through, those, through that lens. So it is something here that's fully in your control. I serve as the foundation board chair. The Napa Valley Board of Trustees, you, have ultimate approval of all desk contracts and agreements every time, every single time. And, and that's very clear for you to know how that works. So they have to be ratified by our procedures. It cannot operate independently or ratify independently because of our procedures that we and bylaws that we created for its control inside the, of the college. I think that was something that came up before. Um, another how it works, there, now all the meetings are subject to Brown Act. Um, open to all college constituencies. I think we've had all college constituencies participate in some form of the meeting. We've certainly had trustees there. We've had students come there from ASMVC. We've had faculty association. I think Diana's been there several times. The um, classified association, both classified senates, faculty members at large have been there. Um, administrators attend, and um, it, it's... Um, Again, all agreements, contracts, financial records, always available to the public. That's one of the structures of it that make it so transparent. All DAS revenues generated through its programmatic areas, programmatic meaning all of its services, the cafe right now, the bookstore, the vending machines that will you know, explore all of those pieces, all of them, 100%, are used to aid the college in achieving its educational mission and reinvest in services to the campus. So... It, none of it goes outside or will be bled outside or used for any other thing other than college. Um, what we do, this is a little bit of what we do. I mean, the, you know, it's, it's an iterative kind of piece. Um, there are some very sophisticated, I'm not sure, Bob, we can, we'll have to talk about this, you know, in San Diego. San Diego Community College District has a very sophisticated, in-depth um, administrative services unit, both at the, at the district level and, and down. And I think as we grow as a very small college, we'll have some opportunities to see what we can do. But right now, what we do is the, the cafe and the bookstore. Future opportunities are vending. There really is no central vending 
um, contract yet. We, we, we need to do that. You know, at one institution, um, we used to say a Coke machine is $1,000 a week on the hoof. I mean, you know, if, if students roll by, well, who gets that? Where should it go? Sometimes it's owned by clubs. Sometimes it's owned by outside vendors. Sometimes vendors, even with colleges, just put them on site with the college's permission, but don't split any of the revenues. So that is one of the areas. Facilities rentals, we all already do. Um, event and banquet services, we already do. Uh, not, not a lot of those yet, but some of those are um, brokered through the cafe, who is now doing a lot of our on-site pieces, um, like the morning that we just we just hosted at the um, the Flex Day was through the cafe, and they they um, had a contract for that, and that was a DAS activity. Print shop eventually. Print, our print shop at one point did take and worked for other entities in the county for their overload. During the times that we cut back in 2010, 11, and 12, we contracted. Um, but it's something we may want to look at again to to say, you know, is there some other entity that would um, be able to use ours? The other, the other, what we do as in the auxiliary service is budget management. So part of what we do is coordinate. This is important with faculty, staff, and leadership to ensure the funds are spent in compliance with donor specs. One of the advantages of DAS versus an endowment from the external foundation is generally when endowments come um, to fruition each year, those dollars are moved into the college. Historically, those programmatic dollars went to individual departments, child, child care or photography or something else, and they had to spend them before the end of the, the, the year, the cycle. What DAS allows you to do is take those endowment funds, put them in, still earmarked for those programs, but hold them over a longer period of time so faculty actually have more control about when they need those dollars, what they can use them for. It's not a rush to spend in the last four weeks of school, so to speak. Um, the, the DAS Foundation also has structured these funds to be, I guess I just said that, to be banked for improved multi-year planning as well. I'm moving quickly just because I think you want that. <laughs> um, grant and contract administration. Um, gen several auxiliaries across the state, again, some of those we benchmarked, San Diego um, um, does this a, a bit. Um, Grossmont Cuyamaca does it a lot. They, they push a lot of their grant coordination through their auxiliary services. There is an indirect fee associated with most grants. Sometimes it's a 1% or a half percent, all the way up to 4 or sometimes even more. That is the, what, the, what the grant includes for the, the cost of, of administering that grant. One of the advantages of, of having a district auxiliary services unit is you can aggregate the, all of those 1%. And, and rather than having them spread out all over the institution um, or just fall in general fund, and they're, they're going to find their way in general fund anyway, you, you can um, leverage on that, hire a full-time secretary based on a, an aggregate. You could do it anyway, but this makes it much more transparent for the institution. Um, the last one, external resource development. Th this was a piece that we had to work out with the Napa Valley College Foundation, with Bill Hardy and that, that group. Their question was, at the get-go, hey, is this another fundraising arm of the college? And the answer was, yes, it is. But it doesn't, it doesn't conflict with the Napa Valley College Foundation. Their goal is programmatic pieces, 
college, um, big college um, support pieces like, for example, the, this VWT thing there, or this viticulture piece, and also student scholarships. There really isn't a way for our, our external foundation to accept a restaurant from somebody who's passing away in the valley, or I'm hoping someday a winery will be passed to us. I, I think that's really a possibility. Um, if you look at the land trust, they receive big blocks of land. Sometimes those are commercial pieces that are um, could be utilized in a way and, and stewarded by the college. The, the Napa Valley College Foundation is not, cannot, in, in their charter, accept those kind of things. We could. Um, this is what you see, again, benchmarking somebody like um, Santa Rosa JC. They, they were gifted a bank, which wasn't all a bad deal. Um, they were also gifted um, part of that cafe land that, that they opened their cafe on, and they were gifted other kinds of things. So they, their auxiliary services through their foundation owns um, and runs appropriately things that help offset the general fund. So these are, these are dollars that roll in and create more opportunities to use our general fund for teaching and learning. That's, that's the whole point of it. Um, the other piece here, um, I guess we, we have it up here. Um, other resource development, um, there's, you know, generally speaking, like a, a farmer's market is probably a misnomer here. It should say like a flea market or a swap meet. Um, another good benchmark is Pasadena City College. has a has a weekend um, flea market, if you will. College of the Desert has a weekend flea market, if you will. Very destination-oriented. They draw people from hundreds of miles who drive there. Sometimes they draw enough people to come there to stay just for that weekend event at the colleges. Um, it leverages on your parking lot, which you already pay for. The, the upkeep of that, which you already pay for. It leverages on the, on the buildings and some of the outreach. So there are those kinds of things. I'm not supposing that we do one right away, but those are examples of, of things that could happen. So um, this is the bookstore. It's managed by DAS under the umbrella of this nonprofit, and we have um, a contract with Barnes & Noble. We're in, we're in renegotiating that, that, that contract as we speak. Um, they, they provide all the expertise, and um, their employees work on our site. We benefit, and the college benefits through the several hundred thousand dollars that come our, our direction each year. The... Oh, this is Ollie. There's a picture of Ollie up there. This is our new um, cafe manager who was just hired to take our cafe to Soaring Heights. Um, it's, it's the one that's over here, obviously, in the, in the library. This is a good example of what I talked about. There is no one on campus with the expertise of a professional cafe hospitality manager. I mean, we don't hire for that. But DAS can hire for that to run the, the cafe. And so it, 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 it's outside of the normal core of, of teaching learning piece, but it's really important to enhance the student learning aspect. So um, the district auxiliary services will run that cafe. Hopefully we'll make um, more and more um, um, profit from that, which that profit thing goes immediately where? Um, this is a test, guys. Where's all the profit go? Back to the college, right? Directly back to the college. Back to the, back to the general fund or programmatic pieces. Every time, every, every way. So, those, those are, again, some of the, some of the basics. So, um, 
questions. Yes, I have a couple. The, uh, for instance, the, the film festival and the uh, this Frozen that I saw. Yes, was that was that all facilities through DAS or was that through through our manager? Of the, the, yeah, uh, right now the facilities. Yes, the, the short answer, the real good answer is yes, but we're still working on the dotted line between Matt Christensen's, which is currently facilities on you know on Bob's side of the house. And, and DAS. So the, the money from those events, whatever they were, will flow in through DAS and then back into the general fund that way. So that's that's the goal. If it didn't on that one, but that's, a, that's ex, again the exact example. Carolee, you have more on that? Or do you? Just that it is in development. Not All right. The, the other, well, this is to the board. Uh, since it, this is an information discussion item, uh, do any of the board members feel that necessary that one of us be on the board, or do we have the bandwidth, or do we show up as? What it, is that something we want to talk about down the road, or? No, you can, you can. When we um, and I brought this up to Michael in our meeting and said, you know, hey, uh, let's talk about this. Um, of the models that we used and looked at, we we couldn't find any that had that had a. Um, a trustee on it, but it, there's no. We have trustees on our other auxiliary foundation board, which is the Viticulture Foundation board, which is our again auxiliary. So we certainly have the precedent here to do that. So um, it meets quarterly for uh, when um, it meets quarterly on what day would you like? Mondays at four. Um, it's not set. You know it it. It really is not said. I don't think I have it on my calendar right now. Um, there's one in early February, but it, it kind of shifts around with availability. Right. What would be the purpose of one of us being on? I think there was some notion that if you had somebody sitting from the board, it would be either more transparent or you'd have a voice actually in the room. Um, I... I, I I guess I don't I don't see that, but then that's just my opinion. I, I think it's good to have a link between that board and this board, and having a board member, a trustee on that board, would provide that link. Would that require changing bylaws? And, and it would, yeah, it would. We would have at our next board meeting. We'd just change the bylaws generally and then resubmit those, you know, but not. It would. We've, we've already gone through one um, uh, series of bylaw changes and procedural changes. As I said right now, our procedures require that, let's assume that that board met two days ago and made some, some pieces. We would be bringing those, if we had time, we would be bringing those contracts to you in the same kind of contractual form that is used to now, and that's the procedures. So, and we set it up that way because it was new for this institution, and we created more checks and balances, if you will. But this, is, this would be a, a way for the board to engage. I can personally say this is not about um, trust or authenticity or transparency or any of that stuff. You, you know, having a board member, when we're talking about Campus Village possibilities and the rental contract for an outside person or some other piece might, might, be, it might be wise. I mean, I... You'll be in the thick of it, that's for sure. Well, why don't we do it this way? And this is just off the top of my head. Why don't we take a volunteer that 
wants to go to one of these, sits in, mm-hmm. is it something, and idea. report back to us, and then we could go ahead with probably a, an action item or, or have the, the language changed to allow a trustee to sit there. So, I, w- I would do it because I like to be involved in things that make money. Great. It's a Brown Act <laughs> meeting right now, so, you know, we could have three of you, actually, that showed up just to show up. Anytime, you're always welcome. I, I can't go for a quorum, obviously, or you, you, you've created a meeting. But, um, but yeah, absolutely, um, we can send the schedule out to folks and, and show up. Yeah? We have Amy and- no, I just had questions when oh, we're okay. done with that. So, Marianne, you'll attend this I'll, and I'll report tend, back I'll to, the, the first to the board. I'll attend the first one and see what we think. Yes. Yeah. So right. it's worthy of pursuit or the importance. If we if we had a trustee, would it be a specific trustee as the person on the board, or could it be whoever's available to go to the meeting would have that? Oh, that's a, good a board point. board representative. I think it'd be better have somebody consistent that could actually know then what's going on. Designate who it is. I think you'd have to. The way that it sits right now, it's 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 by title, so it says that you know the, the president or designee. But they don't really mean designee. They don't want you to flip back and forth because it's a voting piece, right? So you, um, oh. but you could have a designee for annually or even six months, or you know. But. Well, I guess my concern is the you know the piece that says all we are is somebody sitting there gathering information for the board. So mm-hmm. that person then comes back to the board, shares. You right. know, they don't have any authority to vote without. I mean, if it's something that's going to make change without consulting the whole board. Right. That, that would, and I'm assuming that's what would be added to the bylaws somehow. It could be in an advisory role. Yeah, it, it, that's probably exactly what, what you would do. Yes. My, my question, so just to understand, so, mm-hmm. so you're saying the money goes just basically through DAS. It goes into DAS and it directly goes over to the general fund, all the money? Because I, I know at a previous board meeting somebody expressed a concern that that money that would normally be in the general fund is now in DAS. Yeah, so, it's only a, a way to think of this is a um, DAS is a wallet. So the the money that would was ordinarily handed from somebody directly to a program now goes to a wallet. No money's moved or anything else. It just is now transparent because that's audited. And we can follow that. Everybody has the ability to see that dollar that now goes to photography or now goes to something else. So, and it slows down the process. So it's um, trust accounts aren't. Do, do, does a car wash have a trust account? I mean, they do, it could. So yeah. So some things are so small that you know that it's hardly worth it. You know what I mean? But sometimes that differentiation gets odd. So if a sports team is going out and raising money and then they raise a couple, three, four, five thousand dollars for support of their program to then hire a part-time coach, it, it, it's too fuzzy for me. I mean, I, I want more transparency than that. Uh, Dr. Kraft, excuse yeah. me. The, the, just what you're saying, too, though, in, is true. The, the trust accounts, the accounting and the trust accounts, it, it, it's, it's just one account. So you don't have an, an income and account separate from an, and another expense account, whereas DAS does. DAS is a whole general ledger, just like right. the books, like we had the bookstore, like we do the foundation, like we do the general fund. There's, a, there's accounts for income, there's accounts for expenditures, there's a balance sheet. Whereas the, the trust funds, 
are just a whole, they, they're just funds held in trust. They're just one account. So the income goes in there, the expense goes out. So it is very, very hard to, mm-hmm. to track and to even present. Trust funds are more like, you know that little dish that they have at a place that says, take a penny, leave a penny? That's what trust funds are. Exactly. I mean, but you true, know, true. It's really yeah. difficult. It's always a little money in there, but it's tough. Right? I would also say in addition to just the money, um, working the function is to work with the students to help them have campaigns to augment their right. trust accounts and help them manage their budgets. And it's a centralized place for that sort of management to go on. Is there any, because I remember... At one meeting, when you mentioned DAS, you said something about that the money could be used more creatively. So is there something, ways that you can spend money that's generated through DAS that you can't if it was no. came in in another way, like oh, directly into the well, general fund? Yeah, some, you know, some monies. Yeah, I mean, all of our dollars coming in generally are earmarked for, you know, something, Right. So, you know, faculty or, you know, staff or personnel or there's restricted funds, those kinds of things. So I guess in some ways you would say um, you, you have a little more. So if dollars come through for the photography piece, you, you don't have to, you, you have several ways to spend it on either on equipment potentially or how, whatever faculty would feel would be most important. So there's a little more flexibility there. Then, but just less is just a comment. I, I just pulled up the DAS website. Uh-huh. And you know, oh, talking yeah. about transparency, I just had a concern that it doesn't say who's on the board. Um, when you look at the meetings, the agendas and the minutes, um, the last time there's never an agenda. Wait, last time there were agenda and minutes posted was November 2013. And, and I was hoping that you would, actually, um, that it, the, part of this is the, the transition between Lissa when she left and and this new and new um the new management piece so on our on our first ticket here for next week and the following week is to work on that website get it up to speed actually i'm sorry i have to correct myself now but there were minutes jen and minutes november 2015 but you're so, quite yeah. right i mean it, it no, needs to up to date but it needs work. like do they post like the like we do for the regular meetings like the budget and the you know those kind of things the the warrants or it will going forward. Yeah. And it doesn't have warrants. No. Just but we budgets. can drill down. Yeah. Well, there are some expenditures. We're going to grow. This is iterative with us. You know, and we're, it's still small. So we'll, we'll grow with expertise. And I think you know, Bob will be able to help us as well. You know, provide some expertise on, on what they should look like and, and that front end. Just if but, the board members were listed. Yeah, that would be good. Okay. Uh, just part of that transition um, <clears throat> on the, or the development of the website, does that include transitioning over to board docs? Because... Gain some familiarity with it looking at Santa Rosa Junior Colleges. Is that what we're thinking? Well, we've, we've looked at, this is a separate item, but um, we used a very small version of Board Docs last year as a kind of a pilot and a test, correct? Am I good so far? Um, Board Docs will, will is, is our future. It's a much smoother, better product to capture what we're doing here real time and also keep a better minute piece. And um, I think that will be a, it'll be a help as well. I'm not sure, though, if it can handle a subsidiary board, but that seems likely. Is that software specifically designed for school boards, or is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, okay. yeah, I think I, so. I don't right. know too much about it. That's yeah, that's ask. great. Any other questions yeah, so far? Diana. Diana, yeah. 
So, Amy, I was actually the one that brought up concerns about the auxiliary committee at that board meeting, and there are some differences. The main concerns that I voiced at that time was that the, the money does would have previously been within the general fund, but it's now going to DOS, the portions of those grants. DOS does also allow the college to... Um, uh, I've been using my brain not so much. <laughs> To, to gather money, gather money, get donations and, st donations and other types of monies from the community that the general fund may not allow us to do. My concern also was that not only was it money that was previously in the general fund, but that that money within DOS is outside of our college governance processes. For example, should somebody donate, instead of donating money to the college itself, they donate, let's just say, $5 million to DOS, awesome. None of the groups on campus have a, a legal mandated say in how that money is spent. DOS and this board do. So that money is outside of our governance processes. Does that make sense? And that, that is a concern for us as faculty and as an association. But then when it comes back into the college system, over here, Diana. your voices. <laughs> When it comes back into the system, though, um, and I guess question to you and to you, too, then it comes from DAS back into our funds, then wouldn't it still need it, to? It doesn't have to. So, okay. so at a couple of board meetings ago, there was a, a, a transfer. Glenna presented a transfer from DOS back into the general fund. But it doesn't have to do that. It, DOS could decide we're going to build, you know, a um, our own wine train that goes from here to Benicia, so I don't have to drive in traffic. It, it, but it really it, can't it do that, though. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, the bylaws and the mission don't allow it to do that. Like, just like, it, well, it's not set up for that. Right. I mean, you know, so current, we don't have carte blanche. Follow our governance process. So the other groups on campus don't have but to weigh in. It doesn't have it doesn't you have, couldn't receive that wouldn't money. Wouldn't it still need DOS. board approval? What's that? It Sorry. would still need board approval though, right? Ratification by our procedures. Yes, yes mm -hmm. absolutely. Yes. So and if we decided to build to, it's also subject to right. to the IRS rules because it is right. a foundation. Yes. It does come under that. Okay. So there's if somebody, no train to Benicia. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so <laughs> no what so what I'm saying is if somebody donates to something it's it's it, it'll stem from what that donor wants if they specify if what they the specify. purpose is. Yes, but so. you couldn't take a donation without DOS or the foundation, or the, the NBC Foundation. Right. So, it, but it is this needed. actually gives you more chance of getting control of that money. Than well, less. I would actually say the association feels that it's not accurate because the base funding for DOS is coming out of money that would have, in previous years, been part of our regular general fund. So that, that is an issue for us. For example, the grants that the college gets for, um, for me is, would have just went to the, the general funds. That 4% of my grant would have gone just into the budget line. Now, DOS holds the grants, and that 4% goes into DOS's budget. Just for a moment. Right. And, and, and I'm not the saying that fund. the yeah. DOS isn't right. legitimately set up to support the college. The concern for us as an association is that the potential, depending on who is in charge, 
it's not really necessarily about Ron, unless he's going to stay here for 50 years, then it might be a whole different conversation. But we do know people leave and people come. And so the concern is that the money is over there in this auxiliary committee and is outside of our college governance practices. We're not saying that we don't think we should have one or that there aren't potential benefits Mm -hmm. to having Mm -hmm. one. But it is a concern for us, particularly in a time when we are uh, a on the low end of compensation for faculty um, in the state. So it's a concern for us as an association that that money then is outside of our general regular governance process. So who does who decides when money should be transferred from DOS to the general funds? Any deeper, I'm putting Bob to work instantly. Right. Um, <laughs> DOS the, doesn't um, the board. The, no. It's still the board is the checks and balances. Yeah, here's, here's the way to be thinking about it, though. I mean, it, it generally, if you d- just go up a little... The 10,000 feet here. DOS is structured to bring in money that would never find its way to this institution. That's it. So, you know, so it, it, is, one of those, it is one of those things rather than being a liability. It's an asset to the institution. We'll bring it in. Again, it's a concern the association has. Yeah. It's not necessarily an objection. Yeah. So. yeah. And I would say, too, if there's ways that for us to continue to improve the transparency through the website, through weigh-in... If I get $5 million, I guarantee I'm not building anything without, you know, a, a shared governance conversation because it just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I, I'm sure we can, we will. You said 11, but, you know, maybe yeah, we'll get out of here. Might be able to do better. <laughs> Who knows? Thank you very Any much. Any other questions, comments? So, Marianne, you'll go to the first one and just uh, report back. And, of course, that'll be, uh, you won't be compensated for that. Diana, thank you for your comments. I appreciate it. Thank you. Consent calendar, 10.0. We could break it down to 10.1.1. I'll move approval of the consent calendar, 10.0 through uh, 10.3. I'd like to pull two documents. What would you like to pull? Please enumerate. Uh, 10.2 and 10.3.6. 10.2, the personnel document. Uh, noted. So we have a, a motion and a second to approve the balance uh, from uh, of ten point zero, the entire consent calendar, except for those two that have been pulled, ten point three point six and ten point two. Um, so you, it's been moved and second. All those approved, uh, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Carries. So let's, uh, let's go to 10.2 and open that up. And, and, uh, so it's, um, it's the personnel doc. Can, can we go to page 29? Um, so I just had a question. I just wanted to learn more about, um, I guess it's a contract. Um, it's to it's with Mr. Shank, um, hundred dollars an hour from January thirteenth to March fifteenth, um, fifteen thousand dollars for those two months. And I was just wondering if you could tell us more about that. Sure. Um, as you know, Laura Eckland retired. She was the director of you know the dean of HR. So it left us without anybody in 
charge, so to speak, you know, other than me. So um, I met with the, our staff, we with the HR staff. We, we talked about a good solution that would be for a month or two, and that was to have an experienced administrator um, with some HR or contract experience, which was reluctant and had a local. Ed, Ed was a previous vice president here. Um, $100 an hour is, is less than his company, what he normally charges, and, and we went back and forth on that. His contract is only for 15 hours a week uh, or so, and that's this is the max amount that um, he will um, be able to get. March 15th is probably his last day or so. He didn't want to work more than that. So having a person over there who can take the day-to-day Burden of um, at least kind of first line questions from that staff. Keep it keep it rolling. Keep those searches going and those kinds of things. Is is this piece? These dollars come from the previous dean's um, salary, which is and this is you know, um, much less than th- than that person's salary over this period of time because there's no benefits incurred here, so it's just straight dollar. So that's the. That's something, I'm just wondering, because I'm learning, is this something you advertise, or you just, you know who no. you want, and you approach that person, or how, how does that come Yeah, about? it's a straight consultative piece. So um, I did reach out to PPL, and I talked to, who's, a, who's that recruiter? We talked about several alternatives. Um, what we were willing to pay, $100 an hour, is about half of the going rate for people who would come in through a company. Um, so um, then I, I reached out to... Our staff, who recommended um, a couple people, a former former dean for us, and um, and Ed, and I just reached out to him. We have him on a, a professional, short-term professional um, uh, expert contract. So okay, um, the other one's page thirty-six. Fortunately, mine's. Stapled right where the dollars. Oh, yeah, this is Carolee. Yeah, so this is not about Carolee because Carolee knows I respect her a lot. I'm just concerned right. about process mm-hmm. with this one. I have a lot of concerns, like on a lot of different levels. Um, one, um, an email went out to all staff, so it's not confidential, um, about a reorg. And um, Carolee was discussed in that email, but it, it said. It, that she would remain executive assistant to the president. And here it's talking about reclassifying her to special assistant, um, which would mean a change in step from 11 to 16, which is about $2,000 a month um, salary increase. Um, and I looked and actually gave it to all the board members. Um, I printed out the, all the administrative positions for administrative confidential, which is, it's in that area. Um, and there's no special assistant. So that job doesn't exist. And and this is effective January 1st, 2016. And if you look over all the the confidential positions, there is the executive assistant to the superintendent slash president, but there's there's no position called special assistant. So um, that's a concern that a position was created, but it's not on here. It wasn't approved by this board. Um, And I just don't think it was very transparent. Um, And then second... Um, the part about her also becoming um, managing director of the foundation. I'm just concerned that we actually created an ad hoc committee for the board that was looking at the relationship between the district and the foundation 
Um, they were looking at the MOU. They were looking, clarifying the terms of the MOU. Um, and we've never even got a recommendation from them, and the board hasn't decided what the relationship would be with the foundation. So I feel it's premature to make her managing director of the College Foundation tonight. Um, so I have concerns about those, both those things, uh, both those issues. Yet lastly, it's all connected, is position control. We've, we've talked a lot about, you know, that we have budgetary problems, and part of them are related to position control. This couldn't have been in the budget we approved because it's a new position. It doesn't even exist. Um, so, again, it's a budgetary issue when these new positions are created. So it's all those levels. It's transparency. It's the fact that the position doesn't, doesn't exist. It's the fact that we haven't approved this position. Um, and also the relationship with the foundation hasn't been determined by the board. So, so I can take little pieces of those. The, uh, we are... We're operating under an existing MOU with the foundation right now, so you're legally bound, as I am in the college, under that existing MOU, which requires that we at least have a portion of an executive director, and and so that's that's an existing piece. We're we're still working with them to um, come to a new iteration, you know, and it will take a while, but and I expect it to look pretty similar to what it did. The other the other kind of working backwards a little bit. You haven't approved this position, and so it's here tonight for you to approve. So it, it would have been a, this is that approval process. It's, it's here tonight for that, that piece. The other piece of this is it's a, it's a reorg, which in between the president's office and the Office of Institutional Advancement, which is a direct report to the president. So some of the, the thinking behind this was to, A, in the, in the reorganization, rather than try to replicate our former director of institutional advancement, and she wore so many hats and little different bits and pieces of them, um, was to carve up those positions in a reorganization, which we did. A PIO, which you know is is here, we'll be going out for that later. Um, a managing director of the foundations, not just the foundation, the external, but the but the other two as well, to give them some leadership and direction because they're growing, and. Then the other piece of it, yeah, I guess you have to flip your, your, your piece here. The managing director of the college foundations was the range for this. So this went from an 11 to a 16 based on this combination of pieces. The existing director is a level 17. We didn't feel that it justified that because this is a split assignment. So that the... Um, whether it's executive or special assistant, you're, you're correct. In the, the new job description, changed executive to special um, with, with fewer of the, I will call it, you know, kind of secretarial pieces. That's the wrong term, but fewer of the kind of clerky pieces and, and more of the projects that Carolee's been doing for the past two years. So it's reflecting really the organization. It's, it's, it's part of a reorg, and net effect is it's saving should save and will continue to save the institution money because it's combining it's combining jobs. We've done this in several other places as well. So yes, I'm, con I'm it's confused. It's not two thousand a month either. It's fifteen hundred. It's fifteen hundred a month. No, it's not. It's nine. What? Well, I have the salary steps here. It's well, you know, I'm no. a little confused here because I thought he was president, and now you're acting like you should be the one making these decisions. He is. These are his employees. He is within his budget. He's just moving things around. 
and changing jobs and adding duties to different people's positions, that's his role. Actually, first of all, I, I don't need to tell you what your role is as a trustee. Um, well, maybe we need, we need to talk about that. But this is not actually his job. This is the job of a human resources director. We don't even have a human resources director right now. We don't have a CFO. So to do a, a reorg without a human services director, without a CFO, um, one of our board goals is to do a human resources plan. We haven't done that. So it, it just seems like there's this, the vacuum and all these changes are happening in a vacuum and we're responsible for fiscal oversight. And I, I just got through saying he's within, he's not spending additional money. He, because he has a team that he works with and is responsible for the budget as it exists, then that that's what he's done here. He hasn't created something new. If he's given Carolee a new title and basically additional responsibilities, additional compensation. Okay, we trustee, lost Alyssa. Trustee Busenbark, I'm asking him questions. If you want to ask questions no, or make comments, you can, but I actually have one more. So if you'll let me, board so, chair, I, I would like I to. I would Please. like to also just just some input real quick is to reiterate something Ron said, and that is you you know I don't feel personally like he's operating in a vacuum because this was brought to us tonight. Well, you know, like Ron, hold hold okay. on, like Ron was saying, you know that's why we're here tonight. So if you don't like it, you vote against it. Well, but it actually wasn't presented to us tonight. I haven't, that's what I mean about transparency. If I hadn't pulled this from the consent calendar and brought it up, it wouldn't have been presented to us. And this is a big thing. Because I mean, the rest of us didn't have an issue with it because, you know, that was our decision. So the fact that you pulled it is fine. You're, you're getting, you're asking questions to, but it's, but, but I wouldn't, rush to judge that's being done in a vacuum because it's not it's being done right here in public so i just have one last question um so it says in here that it saves the district money and and so i'm just wanting clarification on that how this when it's a reclassification that's an increase of pay how it how does it save the district money well it's a combination so we have the former director of institutional advancement and that salary let's just for lack of Specifics, just say it's 100000 or so, right, just for specifics. Um, currently, Carolee is working on, under the president's office at her salary, so I have this other 100000 out here. We're using a portion of that. We're, we're taking some of those duties from that old job, putting them with this job in the reorg, which I think is effective and leverages, and using some of that money. So the block of that money is still left there. We're using a piece for um, PIO, and there's still more money. Now, net effect we're getting more bang for the buck, if you will, more folks on the, on the ground, more specific duties, and, and we are saving dollars. So these, are, these will be monies in this 15, 16 that won't be spent. Right. What about next year, you know, when you, have, when you hire all the, the positions that there's, right now we don't have the director, we don't have the, you know. Yeah, so so probably, next time when we yeah. hire everybody, when we hire a permanent, you know, chief information officer, when we hire a human services director, et cetera, and then she's still at that step. At that point, it still saves the district money to do this reorg? Or is it, it would, just for this year? Based on the things that you had said, we probably will not replace a director of institutional advancement because that job was a 
was a was a triple threat. It had three or four different pieces of it, and it was unique. Um, and we probably will not. I, I don't anticipate that I, I will fill that. This will this will continue to roll. We'll probably um, go out for a PIO, which will still not reach the the level of where we were. So I think it'll be a net savings generally, and we'll have more direct con- direct control. The other piece I just want to make sure. But before Laura and I worked on this Eckland for several months, um, this has been to the cabinet, who's also this is part of that process to to vet. Um, so by far, it's not a not a vacuum. It's been you know highly vetted out through the organization and in the, in the right way. So what percent of her time will be special assistant to the president, and what percent of the time managing director matter. of the foundation? It'll probably, that's a, that's a good question. It'll probably be a, a swing. I mean, it's not, it's seasonal a bit, you know, when it comes for these meetings and, you know, the two or three or five days before this, you know, really swing into this, you know, more special projects. And like we're talking about here, um, at the end of a cycle for fundraising, it, it goes back and forth. But so I, I can't answer that question other than say right now it's a split assignment. Um, I don't have her any, um, any more than 50-50 in my mind or something in that. In that range. What does the MOU yeah, Mr. say? Chair, can, Mr. Chair, could I, t- I say something quick? I see this as, with Lissa having left, there's essentially two choices. Either hire somebody to replace Lissa or spread her duties out. Ron has chose the latter. We've all read that, and I, I would call for the question. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's great to have this discussion. I, I certainly appreciate and understand it. I can see why we're doing it. Um, uh, there, there was a um, some conversation previously when the foundation was going through their uh, definitions of what are we going to be about how they would split this time. But I, I think that's that warrants another conversation later. Uh, so what we have in front of us is ten point two, and we have a call for the question. So is there a um, Motion and a second, please. The, calling the question requires a second and a two-thirds vote to close discussion to go back to the original motion in hand. Thank you. I appreciate that. So my calling for the question is a new. I I don't. To vote on the original motion. But there wasn't an original motion. (laughs) So then whatever you said doesn't count. (laughs) Okay, so then my calling for the question was in fact out of order since there was no motion. So I would make a motion to approve 10.2. Is that a 10.2 is the one we're talking about? Yes. So at this point, and, and help me, I'm, I'm open to uh, help. So All in favor, uh, signify. Was a second on my new motion. My oh, joined it? Yeah, okay. I have a second. Okay. We had that. And we've got it. So all in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed. So that was the two no. points, right? No. That was the call. That was the question. Yes. You just passed it. 
Thank you. We need to go back to the other one that you pulled. What, what was the first 10. one? 10.3.6, Shaw Consulting. Yeah. Um, so in the background on this, it's, it says, in the absence of an executive director of human resources, that um, that's the basis to hire a consultant for up to $5,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hired... Um, Mr. Shank to be the interim, Dr. Shank to be the interim human resources director. So let me me provide the background on this one. Shaw has been under contract with us um, basically on, on an hourly for a long, long time. Um, When, before Laura left, um, Laura usually called them on need basis and then they billed us. So it was kind of an ongoing piece as when she was leaving and and they're a specialty service that really deals with, um, I think this this area of disability and accommodation. So when we get a um, a complaint for um, um, exactly this, you know, the, the disability accommodation process, um, we usually reach out to them to say, okay, how do we bring this employee back, and what do we need to do for them, et cetera. So we've used them in the past. So this this contract is um, up to five. Um, if and when we need to use this person, it's just. It's, so it's this, ready to use. Them. This would have been somebody you would have used even when Dr. Eklund was here. Right. Yeah. And we had in the past. Because it, it, it gets complicated slice of law and um, takes a little bit, I think. Um, and we are using them now on, a, on one case, I believe. Second. It's been moved improperly. Seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? I abstain. One abstention. You know, I did the uh, same thing Ed is doing here in half a dozen different places after I retired five years ago. was the last one I did, and I wouldn't have worked for less than $100 an hour five years ago. In addition to that, the, there is the limit now. You know, they took away the, the uh what they call it, the Sunshine uh, Act, and so their maximum that anybody that's worked in STRS can make in STRS, I think, that's is what right. is it? Surely, is it up to about thirty-five? Is it thirty-five thousand a year? Forty-three is forty-three. Yeah, that's and he has a full, robust life. He's ready to go back to that after this month and a half. Well, he just retired. He's after he left here. He was teaching for. Uh, Alliance or yeah. yeah, Alliance. Moving right along to 11.0, 11.1 district fee schedule. I move approval of 11.1. Moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. I'd like to make a comment here first. The uh, the alternative to not keeping our uh, out of state fees and our international fees at the level that the state sets them is that all of our students. I mean, the money that we're shorted from that uh, affects all of the students that are in California. So uh, I doubt that our student government or student body would vote not to raise that tuition. 
when they knew they were going to have to pay for it in terms of loss of funds, uh, you know, to, to, to the district. I mean, this is a this is becoming, as you you guys may have uh, heard, Gabe. This is becoming a real issue among students of uh, out of state students coming in and taking the place of uh, you know, California. You know, I've heard quite a bit about the um, that a specific instance happening at the University of California where a lot of their, you know, they're pushing for that out-of-state enrollment, but um, the, I, un- unfortunately, um, I didn't have enough time, and we have not met as a board, but we, we, we kind of, we're, we're going to vote yes to the increase. That's part of the reason. And I'll probably go into it more when we get to 11.2, but um, I actually had a question about the district fee schedule. Is that just a culmination of all the fees, or is that an approval? If there's fees being increased on that document, are they... Because I took a look at it. Um, oh, wait, not center, man. Sorry, I'm extremely tired. Uh, It's uh, Gabe. It's yeah. fair rental price is by square footage, and uh, and if they're correct me if I'm wrong, Ron. But nonprofits we always give additional consideration in other community uses. Yes. What's the term used? Because I wanted to uh, for a group that I work with wanted to the term that used is if you. If you're going to use the space and you don't create any additional janitorial uh, service other than what's typically, uh, I mean, what they usually face, then sometimes they don't charge for it. But uh, anyway, that's... I I just had a question. I, I asked these to be pulled kind of together because... I think there's an inconsistency in the next one. We're going to be talking about a capital outlay fee, but that doesn't, that's not in this document. There's nothing about a capital outlay fee for either international students or non-resident students. On 11.1 on the district fee. Oh, right. On 11.1. Could we vote, uh, could we vote on 11.1 and then? That's the one I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about is 11.1. All right. It's mentioned in 11.2, the uh, $3.25 you talked about. Right, but this is the... Do you know if it's on 11.1? Yes. It is? No, it's on... No, 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 it's not on 11.1. It's on 11.2 with the non-resident. Well, shouldn't shouldn't that be mentioned in the district fee schedule? No, it's a separate item. Oh. It's a state... These are district set. Ah. These are district fees. I see. That's another... That's... But in this document, it looked like the international fee, if I can find it, um, it looked like they put the, you put the capital outlay fee in the fee for the international in this one. Oh, in the worksheet? Have you looked? Help me out. I'm not sure why those numbers read the, the way they do. Which one? On, on the eleven point one, why, where did the where did the so where the, the student fees? Yeah, I, I think I think that needs to be stricken because that is. I don't think they should even be here. The student fees shouldn't be here. No, I mean the the two sixty twenty five. Yeah, that's that's incorrect because it's two eleven plus the three and a quarter. 
I think the difference is, Glenna, that in the um, international one, that the capital outlay fee has been added to the non-resident fee because it's three dollars and twenty-five cents is capital outlay, and that's the difference between the non-resident and international. It's a two, but it's two eleven plus three twenty-five. Is no, it's two eleven plus forty-six plus oh, three twenty-five. Oh, okay. right. Okay. I was and and the and the non-resident tuition is is two eleven plus forty-six. The international fee is two eleven plus forty-six plus three twenty-five. So it yeah. includes the capital outlay. Okay. The, the capital outlay is not being included in the non-resident. Actually, which is probably incorrect. Now that I look at this, I, I, I would also say that the board actually should do the, um, the non-resident discussion first, because if they approve this, there is no reason to have the non-resident discussion because you've already approved that fee within this document. So you want to talk about 11.2 first, and okay. then you can get all of, you can vet all those conversations. I'm going to drop 11. Drop eleven one. Let's move to eleven two. I I just had. I always would have a concern about raising tuition, especially. I don't know. We're in good economic times, and um, we know we have budgetary problems. But I kind of lean toward that we need to look at spending and spending smarter rather than raising tuition on students. We didn't raise tuition. You mean the student fees? fees. Oh, the well, student fees. Yeah. Okay. okay. Which is okay. tuition. Because the enrollment fee, well, I, I think of that as enrollment fee. Okay. Oh, but I how, think how much they pay per unit. For the, yeah. Right? I, yeah. I think, I mean, you're speaking to the non-resident and the international students, right? I'm and, also speaking to the non-resident, not the international. Well, even the non-resident, but, but both. I think you have to remember, and I think this, somebody said this about how this could affect our local students, mm -hmm. that... These are non-residents and international students who have not in any way contributed to the college like our, our local, regional, uh, and state students do through taxes and everything. So these people are not contributing that way. That's why everybody has non-resident and international fees to contribute to, to what our local students have already done and once they become, they gain res residency, they go back to the other fee schedule. And I'd be concerned that we're putting a bigger burden on our local students by not charging this money, and they have to pick up the, the extras, as somebody pointed out earlier. Yeah. Um, the non-resident, that could be your student that, that moved here six months ago. I don't know what right. the residency yeah, is. Yeah, it's within a year. But also your undocumented students that haven't lived here more than three years, they wouldn't qualify. They'd have to pay this tuition. They would price them out of an education. So I'm just concerned about the students who just moved here within the last year and, and the non undocumented students that have lived there here less than three years who wouldn't be able to afford an education. Um, that's my concern, especially when I think there's other ways to, you know, to save money. Uh, excuse me, Oscar, don't the undocumented, don't they, they come under, Patty's gone. Oh, Patty's not gone. Patty is here. Don't they, does the undocumented pay less? Which means they have three years, they have to live here. Oh. 
You're looking at the H item H there, comparable 12 state average at $380 plus. They could always petition the board. Uh, what do you mean they can? Kyle, Kyle uh, Iverson, uh, who couldn't be here tonight, advised that he's uh, he's willing to. He would vote for it. Is it spelled out yeah. that they can petition the board? Is that advertised? Do they know about that? Yeah. Uh, well, Associated Students um, had the concern uh, originally that we, and we kind of worked this out um, within the constraints, but we, and especially I, I was the only one that did research. I stayed up till 2 in the morning, which is why my eyes were bloodshot, um, to try to figure this out um, because it was extremely confusing for our board members. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to meet yet. Um, we had an unofficial meeting last week as a, as Raphael mentioned, as an organizational meeting for the rest of the semester. But um, our con our main concern was that when things like this, um, especially because we're not, you know, we're new to the board, we're still trying to grasp our, uh, trying to grasp an idea of what's happening. When things like this are presented in such a short timeline, it becomes difficult for us to um, really gain an understanding. And I actually went ahead and printed education code uh, and in one of these sections, it outlines that had we not act, had I motion to postpone this to the next meeting's agenda, unfortunately, this has to be passed by February 1st or, you know, you have to wait till next year. Um, so, again, we would like to be um, notified a, a little bit more. We'd like it if it was a little bit more timely if we knew about things like this in advance um, in regards to the fee increase. Um, I did quite a bit of research and presented it to the board before the meeting, and while we couldn't take official action as a board, they deferred it instead to me as the representative to use my best judgment, and um, I'm going to be voting yes on this because what it does essentially is it's following inflation in the most basic sense, and other people bring up the great point that it would be unfair to our um, in-state students to have to to have money taken away from them, um, that to to be to pay for the difference in the cost for international students, because that money would be directly taken from programs or other resources that are in state. I'm sorry, I'm really tired. Our in state uh, students could use. So with that. That's um, we. It's the timeliness, but other than that, um, w one of our other concerns was that it would affect AB five forty students because none of us really knew what that meant. Um, but we we found out the definition, um, and we know that they're exempt from in state or exempt from out of state tuition. Um, so that helped with it. The only caveat we had with the increase is that this could potentially affect students of color more than um, any other group because you know, they're generally uh, immigrants. Other than that, um, I don't really have much more to say, but other than we support the fee increase. I have approval of 11.1 and 11.2. Second. Approval probably second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Motion carries. That was 11.2. Moving to 11.1. I'm district. abstaining on that one. I'm abstaining. On abstention with uh, Trustee Martinson. And you're, I'm sorry, what were your grounds for abstention? 
just concerned about students that are new to California being priced out of an education and, and students who don't qualify for AB 540 being priced out of an education. So you're voting no. Oh, I can't, why can't I abstain? Okay, I'll vote no. Okay. All right, there you go. Eleven point one district fee schedule. We did that, didn't no, we? No, we jumped over it. I move approval. Been proven properly. Seconded. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Oppose. Abstain. Are you talking about the the point two? Eleven point one. I guess I have to be consistent. No. No. Motion carries. 11.3, new revised or to be replaced or repealed, excuse me, repealed board policy, second reading of the claims against the district, board policy 3810. Move approval. Approved and properly seconded. All those in favor? Aye. Sorry. Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. We're at 12.0. Right on schedule. Um, Viticulture Winery Foundation Board of Directors Rafael Rios also are. Go ahead. Um, no report. We have not met, uh, so I have nothing to report. 12.1.2 The McPherson D- Distinguished Teaching Award Selection Committee, Martinson. We haven't met yet. Those, uh, the students have access to those, the applications or the nomination forms? We haven't. Heard anything? We haven't seen any postings. Um, at least I personally haven't. But associates too early. Too early for okay, that. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's too um, early. Those will come soon. Sweet. Um, but I was also wondering. Um, I I did ask to be appointed to the committee, and I was wondering if I could have my name added down there. But or unless well, wasn't there a concern? I'm sorry. I just probably don't remember. Oh. Okay. So the committee makeup uh, allows for one member of the board of trustees, um, w- one student, um, the vice president of instruction, a faculty member who is uh, selected from one of the year's previous winners, and a member of the um, the Napa Valley College Foundation board. And so the only way you could serve on that committee is either as the board of trustees rep but there could only be one of you from this group or as the student rep, and there can only be one from that group. So, And do you have a student rep? As if I believe I Associated Students forwarded someone. Yeah, I, I can't tell you right off the top of my head. I can check where we are in regard to um, um, placement by each of those groups. If that could but I'll have to get back great. to you on that. Sure. Thank you. Other than Thank that. Thank you very much. 12.1.3, the Redevelopment Oversight Committee. Uh, yes, we met this week, and this uh, I've underlined uh, the amount that Napa Valley College gets for fifteen sixteen uh, from the they're still dispersing from the uh, from the agency. The interesting thing is that there are two pieces of property that still need to be sold. One is like a driveway right in there by the fire museum on the corner of uh, First. Um, Maine and uh, what is that? Pearl. Pearl, yeah. And so the driveway, but the money from that was financed years ago through HUD, which means that um, that will not come back to the entities because HUD is 
directs it back to a CDGB, which is Community uh, Block Grant, which is money that's dispersed to um, uh, to nonprofits, and uh, uh, so in, in in a way that I think that's good because it's a chunk of money that that there, there are very few grants uh, for. Uh, but the driveway has an appraised value of 146,000, and the museum has a, a an appraisal, and they would expect maybe a bidding war of over three million. Uh, so that's uh, the the uh, Josh. Uh, I just remember Josh's last name, who's the CFO for the Unified District. You know, he was. It was like, oh, you know, what could the Unified District? Well, ours wouldn't be as large a share as you can see. Uh, you know, they're, they get the biggest chunk out of it. But uh, but this is going to go on another year. There are four meetings scheduled uh, to still finish some of the, uh, the cleanup. And as long as I'm, we, I uh, volunteered to do that housing thing. You want me to do that now, Michael? Yes, please. Uh, the, the fallout from the... Uh, Countywide housing uh, uh, forum that was done over two years ago was a a small group who had the the concept of sitting down around a table and deciding uh, how to come up with uh, with money for affordable housing. Obviously, workforce housing, is, as uh, David said, is the is the primary concern. Uh, but also for special needs, which includes disabled and uh, and uh, elderly. So there are representatives from the real estate, from development, from finance, from uh, some nonprofits, uh, and somebody from hospitality, wineries, grape growers. The concept is that anybody that's hiring employees, hospitality, right, you know, with the hotels being built, big one, uh, but the wineries and grape growers, that they, and then, again, real estate developers, that they would sit down and agree uh, as representatives of their groups to uh, create a pot of money that could be used for seed money to get other grant money to build housing. And uh, so that maybe real estate would start off and say, okay, we're willing to put in $250,000 a year. And they agree on that, then every representative that there that hires employees would do that. And this would build the, uh, you know, build the pot. And uh, so this is what they're working on. So you've got, as David said, the county, uh, and Mark Luce led this uh, charge, they are satisfied with their first-time homebuyer program. They're not interested in doing a, you know, helping to build housing or whatever. Uh, they were appreciative of the fact the college was there because we have some land. And uh, so the question they asked me was, are, would we ever be interested in public-private partnerships? I said, yes, that's exactly why I'm here, you know, that this board you know, would, uh, whatever, in, in working with the board, you know, cooperatively. So uh, they're going to continue to meet, but but uh, 
his comment uh, tonight about in politics is power or power in politics. This is an election year. So by getting something together, hopefully within this period before probably not June, but maybe uh, for sure November, to take to the different uh, bodies, all the cities and the, and the county, uh, with some concept for this you know, fundraising. So uh, uh, they're, you know, they're pretty jazzed about what they're doing. Uh, the CEO of the chamber was there, and uh, because he's not knowledgeable at all, he, he, he raised the question that's going to be the question if this ever gets off the ground and there's publicity on it. And that is, what, what is affordable? Uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about 80% of median, 100% of median. But, you know, this information tonight is, is uh, something that everybody needs to, uh, 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 this whole group will need to deal with. Anyway, that's that report. Thank you very much, Joanne. The Legislative Affairs Committee 4.1.4. It's my understanding that the meeting was canceled, right? Oh, February. Is anybody here going to the legislative uh, conference in Sacramento next weekend? Or, or next is it Monday? Sunday, Monday? I don't think. Don't think so. One more comment about this money. Glenna, does this go into the general fund? Sorry. Part of it goes into the general fund, and then 52% goes into capital outlay. And then the other 48 goes into the general fund. And we've already we received it this month, actually. Just so everybody knows where it's going. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. That was relative to the... Uh, Redevelopment, property tax, trust fund. The uh, audit committee. Uh, nothing to report. We nothing to report from Dan DeGuardi. Can I ask a question to the audit committee, or a request, actually? I had emailed them, and I hadn't heard anything back, and maybe they could answer it, or maybe Glenna herself could. Um, but I'd email them. I'm sure there's a mistake on the November warrants. I'm positive, and part of the audit committee is to make sure the statements are correct. Um, it says the pg e bill was 13000 and that can't be correct because every single month, for example, this month it's 62000 and that's very typical. Yeah, I'm sorry, Amy. I, I did. I asked uh, our accounts payable clerk about it, and she said what that is is it's actually two different accounts that we've got. One's a smaller amount, and it, it is, correct. is correct. She knew. Yes, she knew okay. exactly what I was talking about. Okay. So it's not, it wasn't that it was for the same accounts that we're paying for those, for those two warrants. So but for that month, that's all there was, was that yeah, 13000 it was a timing thing. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. So okay. Thanks. Moving on to 12.2, the ad hoc committee reports 12.2.1, foundation district relationship. Ad hoc. I'll ask. Uh, Can that committee send the entire board the MOU that we've been discussing and also the letter, the 2012 letter from the attorney regarding the relationship between the college and the foundation, please. Because I know I haven't seen it. I don't, I don't know if anybody else has seen the MOU, the this letter from the attorney from 2012. To Bill Hardy's presentation last. Everything we've been talking about, the MOU with the, col- with the foundation that the college has that we're operating under. Sure. 
Um, sure. And we also the those. 2012 lawyer letter that called it into question. We've we've had those. I think that you know we have a copy. Yeah, sure, absolutely. They're public docs. They're easy to get. I think that covers the report. I think. Uh, thank, you, thank you very much, Ron. Yeah, Ron mentioned sure, earlier yeah, that sure, um, uh, Trustee Rios that this covers every aspect of the report. Ron mentioned earlier that uh, the uh, I guess maybe revisions to the MOU are are in process. Very good. Twelve point three. The trustee report. Since he always waited, waited till everyone else made his report. I'm going to go to Daniel DeCardi. First trustee report. Yes, you're setting the bar here. You have like uh, three minutes uh, or 63 okay. minutes, I think. Well, um, went to Flex Day the other day, and, and actually, I really enjoyed it. It's now that I've been here for a while, I'm really getting a feel for the not only names and faces, but what they do in the college and uh, interacting with the people on Flex Day was was a good thing. And I I worked. Uh, Yesterday, one of the welcome tables, and uh, I even knew some of the answers that the students were asking. So, <laughs> so that was that was nice. It was fun too. I worked with uh, Scott. Um, tip trades introduction program. Went to a tip meeting today over in Fairfield, and I met uh, Carrie Ruffley, who wor works with um, Berta Lloyd. And Berta couldn't go to the meeting, so, so she sent Carrie. Carrie teaches geology here, but she also works in the SBCD Career Pathways program. Um, this idea, you and I have to get together and figure out what we're going to do. There's MOUs signed for the trade introduction program. Once again, what this is is a pre-apprenticeship thing for students to uh, get a taste of the various trades, and those who do well at this in this classroom setting will go on to the actual apprenticeships. Um, College of Marin already has classes set up, so does uh, San Mateo City College. And we're trying to work on something in, in the North Bay, um, Napa, Solano, Mendocino, and Lake County. And what they talked about today was getting something in northern Napa County so that Lake County people wouldn't have to have their own classes. They could come here. So what sprung to my mind is using a classroom at the Upper Valley Campus. And I thought I couldn't speak to availability, but it's certainly worth checking into for possible use of that. And then we talked about whether it, this is a class that should be part of a, a college curriculum or not part of the college curriculum. They, obviously, if it was part of the curriculum, that could mean FTEs. However, there's a lot more hoops to jump through, so in the short term, it's better to not have, have them as enrolled college students just to get it off the ground and see how it goes and work into that. Also, um, you know, there's more, uh, more stuff to be done to get the career fair ready on April 29th. Of course, Carol Lee's working with that. I've got a couple of flyers if anybody wants to see that. And any organizations you know of that reaches out to potential people, uh, you should let me or Carrie know or Berta know so that we can reach out and get the information to these people. I thought voices might be something that uh, students would be ready to go to. And um, Holly Brown, who uh, is really spearheading this whole thing, 
and she's from the Operating Engineers Apprenticeship. Uh, she said there's already 150 students from uh, Napa Valley Unified signed up to come here on buses, so it's happening. It's a big deal. And since we've already drugged things out, I'm, I'm just going to talk about a, a thing. It's just an interesting case about jumping to conclusions and such. Um, there was an article in the register about a month ago about um, ashes that were stored at Tulake Cemetery for years that were veterans. And there was this older retired vet that did research to find out who these people were. There's three people that he had names for. Couldn't find any research, so he was doing a ceremonial taking these ashes to the, the place in Sacramento where, where they all go. Well, one of the names of those three people, his name was Quentin Nickel. Well, he was in my class. I knew him from grade school in St. Lena. And, of course, my wife Kim is part of the class reunion thing, so there's a network of emails. So everybody's emailing back and forth with a lot of heartfelt, emotional things, like it's terrible. This guy's ashes sat there for 38 years, and he was only 37. We all knew that... We all knew that he had committed suicide. Very sad story. And people were writing poems and going back and forth. And I was, I was getting ready to call Mike Thompson to see, to let him know, because he knew Quentin, and he's big on veterans things, and maybe he could, could help this out. Well, one of the people in our class emailed back and said, I was his best friend in school. I remember when he committed suicide. He, he had been in the army in Germany and came back, had marital problems, you know, wife kicked him out and he couldn't take it and he killed himself. But he says, Quentin's dad called me and his sisters lived in, in the valley and they knew all about it. And then somebody else said, hey, I went to his funeral. We went up to Cobb Mountain and spread all his ashes out there. So... <laughs> So he's taken care of. So there's this guy's ashes have been sitting there, Tulke, under the wrong name <laughs> for years. And the whole point of this story, it, part of it is, you know, how it's kind of sort of amazing how everybody in this class is kind of stuck together in one way or another, even if years go by. But another thing is how easily this guy is that, that's volunteering to do this, you know, Praise him for what he does, but he's not necessarily a crack researcher, apparently. And when you read an article in the paper and you get emotionally driven, it's very easy to jump to conclusions. And just the story that sometimes it's, it's a good idea to sit back, get information from other sources, talk to people, and then figure things out rather than just say, wow, this is it, I feel strongly, and I'm going to act on it. So that's... Just my little, I, I, I should probably call the register and have them straighten it out, but I'm not yes, going well, to. We have a PIO, so you could do that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Daniel. Marianne, got a lot of things going on. Okay, so um, what I like to do from time to time is talk a little bit about something new that I'm learning in the job market, because, you know, I think if there's anything I do know, it's something that I'm in every day, and that is the job market and what's happening that, uh, you know, maybe we can think about uh, including in our curriculum at some point in time. 
So, uh, so one of the things that's been really popping up a lot, and primarily the company that I manage operations for right now, the staffing company that I'm contracting for, places people at professional level marketing positions. And, uh, and one of the jobs or one of the types of industries that's getting particularly hot and looking for people and paying them very well is the industry that's uh, creating um, the, the streaming media players. So the Roku's and the Apple TV's and the NVIDIA's. NVIDIA is one of them that's a client of ours. And coincidentally enough, as I'm seeing all of this, I decide to cut the cord. I don't know if anybody's been reading all the articles about cutting the cord. Cutting the cord means getting rid of cable TV. So um, so I did that, bought a digital antenna, bought a Roku player, um, put the antenna up so I could get all my local channels. None of us watch television real-time anymore, right? We DVR it or whatever. So then I get on my Roku player and go to Hulu or Sling TV or or whatever, um, Netflix, and watch things when I feel like watching them and pay for only what I want. So, um, and, and it's getting so big that when you leave your cable company, you know, it's not anymore who you're going with. They also understand that you might just be going. Um, And so that is also affecting the job market in this area as well. So these companies that, um, that have any kind of service or app development are actually developing the, the streaming media players are just, they can't find people. They just can't find people. And one place that they're getting them from that's slightly related are from the companies that do, you know, game development. So it's, um, so it's just another direction. It's another path. It's maybe something that, uh, you know, our STEM department could be aware of that is a technology that's really, you know, it's in its still fairly early stages. You know, I mean, I won't say that it hasn't been a little bit of a struggle learning to navigate it all. Um, but uh, if anybody wants to cut the cord, I think I've become pretty much an expert at it. But there's a lot, there's definitely a, a, a lot of, uh, improvement growth for this particular industry and uh, and I just want to always every once in a while when I see these things in the job market bring it forward thank you very very much are you going to the American Canyon Chamber of Commerce awards dinner that I understand installation all right you get pencil me on if you I'm always hungry Joanne, 
in a response to that, uh, Facebook allows you when when someone passes away, it allows you to have a legacy contact so that they can manage your Facebook profile and they can still upload pictures and things like that. So that's a, that's an option you can do in case you pass away. You put the person you want to take over your Facebook account, and they can do that. What could potentially happen is if they talk to Facebook representatives and they notice since he was such a large member of the community, such an important member of the community, then perhaps somebody in his family or his estate or something can take over the account as a way of something like that. Right. Okay. Oh. Amy. Going in order. Um, I also went to Flex Day. I wasn't able to go in the morning. Um, because I was working, but I went in the afternoon at 3.30 and enjoyed talking to some of the faculty members. Um, I also just wanted kind of a celebration. I was really excited to see that, um, that now um, all staff email is going out, um, letting the whole college uh, community know about our board meetings with the agenda so they know what's, you know, they can open it up and see if they might want to actually come. Um, I know that information's on the website, but everybody's busy, so it's nice to have that little reminder about a board meeting and just be able to open up and see what's on the agenda. Um, so that was new, and I appreciated that. Um, lastly, oh, Valley Oak. Uh, I talked last time that uh, Valley Oak High School was going to have its first college campus on our campus, and it actually started um, this week. I I enrolled 17 students in the course, and all but four showed up, and so we were really excited about that. Um, and then lastly, just a concern um, related to what I talked about earlier with the, the position. Um, I know that uh, the college has advertised for a new position, newly created um, executive assistant to the VP of Instruction. It's it's brand new, and I just have the same concerns. Position control, we're in a deficit budget. Uh, we don't have a human resources director, a CFO, and we have no human resources plan, so I'm just concerned about that. Gabriel. I'm glad to be back at the college. Um, large extended breaks are a bit of a doozy for me because I have nothing to do. I enjoy learning. Um, Looking forward to the new year. Um, we're doing a lot of planning in ASNBC, and we're going to hit the ground running this year. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of events, African American Celebration Month. We're going to push back the open forum, unfortunately, because we still need some more planning. Um, we're going to be doing voter registration uh, because we want to get students registered to vote so that they can vote for their uh, preferred presidential candidate and what have you. Um, I don't want to say my personal affiliation because that's, uh, I don't want to do that. Um, other than that, uh, look forward to that. I'm looking forward to going home and sleeping tonight. Well, so. You yourself account for two FTEs, or uh, um, if I took another three unit, I would. But thank you. I'm taking 21 units and right, got out. So I don't know. If maybe if someone encourages me to take those extra three units, I might count for two FDES. All right. As long as you're staying up till two in the morning, you could throw on a couple more units. No problem. Yeah, 
Raphael, one so patient as you. Well, one, I think I ceded my time to Dan earlier, and uh, frankly, I have forgotten uh, whatever of note I might have had to share. <laughs> I look forward to working with all of you this year. Thank you. Thank you very much. As do I. I you know, thinking about my family, I grew up with four brothers and one, two, and three, and four, and three sisters. So I, I feel right at home at the, the discussions and the, the robust, uh, passionate uh, conversation that we bring, and that's what we're here for. But I do remind you of our shared value statements and so on and so forth. Um, I, I don't think we need to uh, go to closed session be, uh, unless you're getting a cookie or something. Uh, future meetings, uh, February 11th, 2016. Of course, we'll see you uh, all ready to go, Mr. Parker, and thanks for staying, all of you. Uh, I'd like to adjourn this meeting this evening in honor of uh, William Bill Iverson, uh, the reason why Kyle is, is uh, uh, he has a lot of other things on his mind. Uh, the board, at, at, uh, certainly with thank you, Joanne, for um, what you said to me. So we did have a, uh, we will have a presence tomorrow at 11 a.m. Treadway Wigger in the form of some flowers. So. Thank you, Will, being such a good father to Kyle. <laughs>